Hey, uh, Tom, do you remember when we did the uh, Ask BPW segment last podcast? I do recall. Yes, I do recall. Who who was it that or wanted to know if Bayern Munich would go on an undefeated season? At Lizzie Carr, too. And you know what? She has her answer now. Hello and welcome in to the first loss of 2020 that we have taken as a team for Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello, I'm Jake Fenner. I'm joined by uh, Tom Adams and Chuck Smith. Boys, it's first loss in a long time for this Bayern Munich team. How are you feeling? I kind of forgot what it was like, to be honest. I mean, watching something and seeing them lose, I, it was stunning. Not unexpected, but stunning. Yeah, I know the first time we have to go through this feeling in nine months, just under 10 months, you know, it's been a long time, but you know what? I at least leapfrog Chuck in our Bundesliga fantasy league. So I at least have that. I mean, I don't know about everyone else, how they're dealing with it, but I at least have that. I'm still dead last in both our Premier League fantasy teams and our Bundesliga teams. So I don't even have that to hold on to from this weekend, which, uh, I'm going to blame that on, uh, Florian, uh, Florian Verts for not uh, really performing for Bayer Leverkusen, but I digress. We have a loss to talk about today, a loss that had people all over the Bundesliga laughing at us about and and frolicking to Twitter, uh, incredibly happy in our misery, which I get, right? Like, if I was not a Bayern Munich fan, I'd be celebrating today, as I imagine many people are, because when you have a scoreline like 4-1 to Hoffenheim right off the back of a day, uh, right off the back of a UEFA Super Cup win, you're gonna get mad, you're gonna get angry, but I have a point to make about that game later after I toss it to you guys, but first let's just run down the scoreline, uh, I don't know if if it's Bichakic or Bikakic, Bikacic, something, something uh, Balkan. Uh, somebody Balkan scored in the 16th minute, followed by uh, Dabur in the 24th. Joshua Kimmich brought it back to 2-1 at the 36th minute, and that's how we went into the half. Andre Kramer scored in the 77th minute, and then he doubled his money in the 90th in extra time. Uh, added time, stoppage time. You know what I mean. It was a 4-1 loss. Don't hit me on the particulars. Um, it wasn't a great performance from Bayern Munich. Pointedly, because Bayern started seven starters that played in the UEFA Super Cup. And yes, I am counting Manuel Neuer in that equation. It, 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 it has to be added into the equation that Manuel Neuer was there because he was the goaltender that led in four goals. But if we take a look at the rest of this field for Bayern Munich, you benched Robert Lewandowski because he had a high-performance game. You started Joshua Zerxi. You had a midfield three of Sané, Thomas Müller, and Serge Gnabry. All three of them started. Joshua Kimmich started. And then in terms of the back line, you had Pavard and David Alaba that started, and then Manuel Neuer as well. Uh, Boateng put in some high quality minutes for the team in that super cup as well. He started this game until he so played some 
big minutes in that game as well. So did Davies. And Xerxes came on at the end. So at the end of the day, you have a team that played on Thursday 120 minutes against one of the top five teams in Spain for a trophy. And then they come into this game. You have to start most of them right? Because it's the Bundesliga and you don't want to get shown up, except that's exactly what happened today. Um, And we're going to talk about what this means for the coming week and what the schedule looks like for the coming week. But first, I just want to get your thoughts, guys. What are you, uh, what are you thinking about this team's performance? Uh, Any place in particular you think really, really showed a weakness? Well, it's been a long road uh, since the restart, and obviously Bayern Munich had some very tired legs, and we saw that today. When you talk about a a weak spot today, there was weakness all over the field today, especially on the back line. I thought thought all four starters in the back line had a pretty miserable game. Uh, You know, in my mind, I really only rated Joshua Kimmich as – as someone who really stood out, Thomas Muller was was decent as well, and obviously Manuel Neuer, despite the the goals that he gave up. But otherwise, there were just a lot of down performances, and I really do, and this is not an excuse, I really do equate it to the heavy schedule that they've had. And, you know, Hansi Flick has been a little reluctant to sub when he's had opportunities. So this was kind of the byproduct of all that. I don't really sweat this loss too much. I mean, Jake... Tom, we knew this would happen at some point. It happened maybe a little sooner than I thought it would, but in the end, it's probably a good thing for them to absorb this loss, kind of figure out how they're going to handle fitness from here on out and and move on. Yeah, I mean, we have to take everything into consideration. These guys are not superhuman. You know, yes, they have all the the high-class technology to be able to recover and, and rest properly, but if I'm being honest, I thought that Hansi Flick would have made uh, some rotations from the Schal- Schalke game to the Super Cup. Yes, I know it's a trophy. I, I know it's a prestigious thing to win. I know it's a-, a showcase piece for UEFA. Personally, I wasn't really comfortable with the fact that there were so many fans there when pretty much everywhere else in Germany, you know, they're, they're not allowing as many fans. Um, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. We we put in a 120-minute shift. You know, a lot of guys were tired, particularly Lewandowski, Gnabry, Alaba were on the pitch absolutely gassed after the final whistle. So, you know, he had to make rotations for this match. And it's just like all the goals that uh, Bayern conceded today. And let's be honest, it could have been a lot more than four. You know, Kramerich could have had at least uh, four or five goals in this match, as well as uh, substitute uh, Elas Bebu. Uh, Dabor could have had more and, you know, there were so many shades of World Cup 2018, you know, particularly Germany against Mexico, where Germany bossed possession, but used that, utilized that incredibly high defensive line where we had uh, Hummels and Boateng pinched right up on the half field line and got burned so many times on the Mexican counterattacks because, you know, Sebastian Honus played this perfectly. He, he kept a very compact midfield and defensive line, and they played very direct, and it just seemed to completely surpassed Bayern you know we were dominated possession but we're finding Hoffenheim very very difficult to break down and two of the goals they come directly from Bauman playing long balls one or two touches later I believe for the second goal it was Dabur who was free and he wound up chipping Manuel Neuer who had come off of his line while uh, Alaba and Boateng were in retreat Uh, and then the third goal as well it's literally just uh, three touches and then it falls right to Kramerich uh, who beats Neuer on the far post and I always think it's like when we're possessing the, possessing the ball so heavily 
and we can't find those pockets of space to break down, you know, why, you know, I always wonder if tactically we can just say, okay, you know, if they're going to sit back and wait for their direct moments to play direct against us, why can't we do that to them? Because if we're playing more direct, you know, the, the ball's moving a lot further, a lot quicker, a lot more frequently, you know, that would force Hoffenheim to come out of their shell and play a little bit of a different game, you know, with us possessing and them being able to sit behind the ball the whole time. It played right into their game plan. And, you know, you have to give them credit because they executed it perfectly. I thought Baumgartner, Dabor, Kramerich in particular were very, very troublesome for Bayern as the front three. I thought Dennis Geiger did a fantastic job uh, in midfield. And uh, Bacecic, I know Jake is a tongue twister. I thought he did quite well, unfortunately, before he suffered that uh, injury, I believe it was in the build up to Kimmich's goal. And it was nice to see Hansi Flick give him a pat on the head as he was helped um, to the dressing room. But yeah, Hoffenheim, they played direct. They pick and chose their moments. They were physical in the middle, and Bayern just couldn't deal with it. You know, perhaps a little bit uh, wary and tired from uh, the midweek Super Cup match. But as Thomas Muller and Manuel Neuer have said, you know, no excuses. You know, you have to get the job done. Otherwise, you're going to drop points in the Bundesliga. I guess really the only thing that I have to add to the rest of this podcast is what we have to look ahead to because. A fact of the matter is this. Bayern Munich has to play four games in nine days. Two of them are games that would have been played at the beginning of the season in August if, you know, we weren't in the middle of a global pandemic. But uh, and they probably would have been played like either a couple weeks or at least one week apart. So there wouldn't have been a lot of overlap. But nevertheless, it it's hard for this Bayern team to say that they don't care about trying to win trophies because if Bayern goes on a similar run last year where they win the Bundesliga, they win the uh, the Champions League, they win the DFB Pokal, that's not a treble anymore. If you win these two trophies, it's a, it's a quintuple. It's a, either a quintuple or a quadruple if you consider the Super Cup a this season trophy or a previous season trophy. So it's hard to like reconcile, oh, this is just a Mickey Mouse trophy and it doesn't matter. And nevertheless, we're on to play the DFL Super Cup and it's Bayern versus a Dortmund team that lost to Augsburg 2-0 and they started most of their starters as well. Taking a uh, a quick look at that lineup, you see up top they had Holland, they had um, Jaden Sancho there as well. They also had uh, Gio Reyna starting up front with them as well. Rafa Guerrero, Axel Witzel, Jude Bellingham, Thomas Munier, Manuel Akanji, uh, Mats Hummels, Emre Can, Roman Berkey. That was the squad that lost to Augsburg, at least in terms of starting. They're, they might possibly be tired as well, but for this Bayern team to come off in utter humiliation like this, and then to also recognize that after this hard fought, this incredibly tough Dortmund team that they have to play, they then have to host Hertha Berlin, who 
they've been pretty impressive in their first couple of games as well. So you can't exactly say that either of these are going to be cakewalk games. And then Byron has a little bit of a rest before they play their uh, DFB Pokal first round match against Duran. But Chuck, what are you expecting out of this team for this Super Cup match? And how do you expect them to pick up the pieces and be able to try and get points out of these next two games? Physically, it's going to be really, really tough. I mean, you could tell against Hoffenheim, Bayern was very tired. And it's not like Borussia Dortmund is going to take it easy on them. I expect to see their strongest lineup. I expect them to try and use their speed against Bayern's back line, knowing that those legs are going to be heavy. I mean, at times against Hoffenheim, Bayern, the back line looked like it was running in quicksand. And, and that's it's just very odd to see because those are not players who are, are slow, but the wear and tear, the grind of the last you know six to eight weeks has really taken its toll. You know, that said, I mean, Borussia Dortmund has all of the talent, all of the tools to make life hell on Bayern Munich. But I would expect Bayern to rise to the occasion. There's always something a little extra they have in the tank to deal with Dortmund. And I think that they are going to show up for this one. I think we're going to get a full game of Robert Lewandowski. And I think that will help. And I think that was definitely a key against Hoffenheim. I mean, I think we just like the situation Bayern was in a couple of years back. They don't have an adequate backup to Lewandowski right now. So anytime he's out of the lineup, it's it's going to hurt. So I would expect Hansi Flick goes to the well, puts Lewandowski back in, and Bayern is a little more in sync. Yeah, I mean, it's just really going to be all about the calculated risks that both Hansi Flick and uh, Lucian Favre want to take, respectively, both teams coming off of you know difficult losses that no one would have anticipated or predicted, but... You know, as you mentioned, Jake, we have a very, very busy schedule coming up. You know, Hertha Berlin, uh, the Sunday after this midweek game, and then our first round uh, DFB Pokal match after the uh, the international break. Uh, mind you, Dortmund have already played their first round DFB Pokal match and progressed by virtue of beating uh, Duisburg, I believe it was. Um, and obviously, our first round DFB Pokal match got rescheduled due to some tricky circumstances, Jake, that I think you know. Uh, better about but you know you kind of have to walk a fine line if you're Hansi Flick I mean you don't want the fatigue uh, to get to the squad no you don't want to completely throw the match and and field a bunch of kids but as I mentioned I think the best way to describe it is calculated risks and you know these guys have so many minutes under their legs and you know does this trophy really matter for anything or does it normally serve as a nice tune-up match and another showcase piece for the Bundesliga ahead of you know, any given campaign uh, in, in Germany, you know, you kind of have to ask those questions. So uh, uh, Chuck, I know you just mentioned you want to see Lewandowski out there. I'm not c- completely against perhaps giving Xerxes some more minutes just just because of the fact that I would rather lose this and not drop any more points in, in, in the Bundesliga for a little while than win this, get a meaningless trophy and, you know, have some injuries picked up because, yes, it is still an installment of Der Klassiker, uh, and I think Dortmund have a little bit more flexibility to field a full-strength side um, because they don't have av- as packed of a schedule without uh, that first-round day of baseball call match that we still have. And um, maybe maybe uh, Jamal Musiala being in the starting lineup as well. I thought he actually looked bright when he came on against Hoffenheim. I liked how he was not afraid to take people on. 
yes, final product might not have been there, but if I recall correctly, he won a few corners, got to the byline uh, relatively easily uh, a few times and, and got some crosses in. And, you know, I think another thing would be uh, Kingsley Coman, putting him in the starting lineup, maybe giving Gnabry or Sané uh, a rest. I know Sané was kind of uh, moving gingerly before he came off against Hoffenheim. He may have picked something up there. I think it happened when he was trying to play a little chip pass into Hoffenheim's box, and Flick was unlucky with not having Coman available for the past uh, two weeks, obviously, because of the quarantine rules having come into contact with someone who had the coronavirus. So that obviously is an unlucky blow, but those things are going to happen this season. So that's something that every team has to be prepared to deal with. But um, Chuck, I know you want Lewandowski up there, but I'm just going to have to err on the side of caution and say, I, I think we should just keep some more rotations in there. Keep those legs fresh for the, for the Bundesliga where the points really matter. Yeah, I think if, if we're going to talk about Lewandowski and, and being able to rest him, we're probably going to have to address it. We might need a better option than, than Joshua Xerxes right now. I'm not like you go where I think you're going. I'm not. I'm not, Jake. So if you have to hear me out on it, okay. I'm not going. I'm not. I'm not going to pull the you chain. You better on not. The train I was about to check yet. you on that. But what I will say is, what I. What I will say is that Xerxes, for all of his height, and what you would think is physicality, he is playing a little soft right now, and I don't think he's giving the Bayern offense anything. I mean, aside of that spurt he had at the end of 2019, I haven't been impressed by his latest performances. I will say I recognize that he's got some potential. There's something there in him, but you could also say that about thousands of other players that are littered on clubs throughout the world. I think we're going to need to see more or, you know, come December, Bayern is going to be right back in that situation where they were a couple of years ago when they got Sandro Wagner. They're going to need someone that can come in and actually be consistent and make an impact on the game. And I just don't think right now we're seeing enough from Xerxes to think that he's going to provide that impact. You when just Lewandowski's put Sandro Wagner and consistency in the same sentence. By that, do you mean consistently bad? Because that's the only <laughs> thing I remember about Sandro Wagner. He was he not was that a good veteran of a striker. He was a veteran. Now, well, he, I'll give you that. He was a veteran If you want to talk about consistently time, not scoring goals, then we're on the same page. Well, I would say right now Xerxes is on a streak of about, what, 10 months now where he hasn't had a first-team goal. So I'd have to double-check that. But I think they need something. I'm not saying they need to pull Sandro Wagner out of the uh, broadcasting chair that he's in now. I think they need someone who's going to bring a little more than what he's he's. All I want to say is I want Chuck to pull the Sandro Wagner mustache goatee combo. (laughs) I would love to see Chuck sporting that. Because, Jake, you mentioned consistency. Wagner has consistently rocked that facial hair. He's kind of made it his own. That he has. I'll I'll just I'll add in terms of the consistency that I'm talking about. uh, Eight goals in 21 games. For Sandro uh, we Wagner. could go on Xerxes' numbers, too. I'm For not Xerxes' numbers, it's going to say two goals threat. and, like, ten. It's about the same rate. Uh, I don't know. We, we'd have to go check your, your math, Jacob. What, what's, what classes did you take there at Syracuse? <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. Four goals in 11 games. So... I think that's a better. I think that's a better rate. That is. Uh, is so if if Sandro was eight for twenty one, that would put Xerxes on eight for twenty two. Right? Uh, they're very the close. Ballpark. They're very close very to close. each other. It's a thirty six percent. But uh, 
goals I per have, appearance rate ask, and though. a 38% goals per appearance rate for Sandro Wagner. But that's that, that not including that's not including <laughs> the no goals in four appearances that Sandro Wagner had in the 2007-2008 season. So Keep in mind, I'm keeping Let's it bring fair. It all back. <laughs> I'm keeping it fair. If I, I imagine, if I added those, it would go down. Uh, eight divided by twenty-six. Yeah, it would jump. It would drop so, down to thirty-one percent. I, I, so, I like that the kid has potential, and I, like I like I just said, there's something there. But we need to start seeing more of it. I didn't feel at any point watching the game today. I wasn't confident in his play at all. I, at times, I don't think he looked confident in his play. And that's why I don't know if this stage right now might be a little too big for him if he's ready for this role. But we'll find out because, I mean, given how the schedule is, he's going to get some playing time. I mean, we're going to find out one way or the other. Yeah, Chuck, you you mentioned that. I, I saw several people on Twitter saying talk, talking specifically about him getting muscled off the ball. And then, you know, once he would get muscled off the ball, just kind of not standing there, but being a little bit too static and not trying hard enough to win it back. And, you know, in my mind, I'm just trying to think back, um, you know, what exactly, because it's not personnel around him wise or, um, you know, who the coach is right. wise, you know, what's the difference between Xerxes right now and Xerxes from last winter, you know, when he scores consecutive goals against uh, Freiburg and, and Wolfsburg to close out the, the Hinrunde and, you know, keep us top of the table. You know, I, I really question what exactly the difference would be if it's fitness uh, injuries he's sustained since then not having enough minutes with the rest of the first team or or what exactly it is but i'd be really curious to know and i, I hope i hope he does turn it around for the better yeah i think we all hope that he he can do this but right now i think it's it's reasonable to have some doubt that he's the man for the job at this stage of his career i'd agree with that but i think you'd also have to concede that it's incredibly tough to be uh, in Xerxes' position where you're being asked to provide striking and goal-scoring output for the reigning uh, European champions yeah, at totally. the age of 19. And I think that you agree with that. Yeah, it's Jake, 100%. Uh, you're, you're dead on with that assessment. It's a difficult role. But I think like more important than any of this is is will the listeners want to hear more of Jake and Chuck talk math because I <laughs> that was about as <laughs> uneven a segment of us two trying to figure out percentages there <laughs> while we were talking uh, that, that had me entertained at least. Hell, sign me up, <laughs> sign me up, please. I think I think that's enough <laughs> math for today, but it's not enough numbers for today because we're going to go ahead and take a look at the rest of the uh, fixtures in the Bundesliga from match day to first match day result was a 3-1 win for Eintracht Frankfurt over Hertha Berlin so remember before when I said that Hertha were doing well go ahead and scratch that thought out of your mind we had 3-1-1 draws this weekend draws between Leverkusen and Leipzig a draw between Mönchengladbach and Union Berlin and a 1-1 draw between Freiburg and Wolfsburg. Outside of that, Armenia Bielefeld gets their first three points of their Bundesliga campaign this year with a 1-0 win over Köln. VfB Stuttgart with a 4-1 win over Mainz. And I really think this is the last thing that we should talk about. A 3-1 win for Werder Bremen over Schalke. 
It now sees Schalke at the bottom of the Bundesliga table. If we look at the bottom three, the relegation spot is Köln, and then the automatic drop spots are currently held by Mainz and Schalke. Granted, it is only two match days in, and the top four looks like Hoffenheim, Augsburg, Frankfurt, and RB Leipzig in that order. But more importantly, Schalke fired David Wagner. Uh, I think I said on a previous episode of the podcast, and I still stand by this statement specifically, um, I don't think Schalke are going to find a better manager that would want to come in and help them. And I personally don't think they'll find anybody to guide the transition of youth talent um, to the first team better than they had in had in Wagner better than they had in Wagner at least in terms of somebody who would want to come to Schalke now Schalke are tough or they're in a tough position and I can't name any managers off the top of my head who might be interested in that job all I would say is please don't make it be Jurgen Klinsmann. I think that would be the worst thing possible to guide your transition from a rough spot into hopefully doing better. Uh, hiring Jurgen Klinsmann at a club has not done well before. We've seen that at Bayern. We saw that last year at Hertha, and I really hope that Schalke doesn't go with that. And I'm just saying this off the top of my head. I don't believe that there's any links between Jurgen Klinsmann and the Schalke job, but Guys, Schalke fell off. They might get relegated this year. How 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 do you think they'll fare for the rest of the season now that they are basically it's, rudderless? It's, a, it's kind of a sad state of affairs there. I don't know how they can keep it together. I mean, they're going to whoever they bring in next is going to have to really be some sort of rah-rah type that's going to be able to get these players to get to some level where they can compete in the Bundesliga. I don't know whether they go full bore and try and bring in someone to revitalize the entire club or whether they're just going to bring in a caretaker hoping for the best. It's it's really impossible to figure out what they're going to do, but they need a lot of help right now. Yeah, I mean, Jake, you mentioned coaching vacancies, and I think it was like two episodes ago. Uh, where we were previewing uh, the Schalke ga- the Schalke match, excuse me, uh, in Der Ausblick, and you know we had a, a long conversation about personnel, um, the the how thin their squad was, you know how poorly they had done in the transfer market, uh, and remember you still have guys like Amin Harit who are linked with a move away, um, and Schalke are already at the bottom with a negative ten goal difference, and they've just sacked David Wagner. And we were having a long conversation about how we thought, you know, much of this really wasn't his fault. He kind of inherited a dumpster fire and, you know, didn't have a lot of backing to try and right the ship. And, you know, I I guess uh, time is of the essence, so to speak. And I guess it was his time. And you're you're mentioning Jürgen Klinsmann. Literally the only other German manager I can think of right now is someone like Andre Breitenreiter. You know, he was a Hanover manager. And I think he got sacked at the beginning of 2019 after a run of poor results and some uh, long-standing disagreements with Hanover's front office. But um, I, 
is this the year Schalke go down after just a few seasons ago battling for a European spot? It's so difficult to predict anything in a season like this that's going to be so truncated. Uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe it's going to be one of those situations, order out of chaos, you know, where there's like internal uh, meetings amongst the squad where uh, veteran players in the squad try and G everybody else up and they really try to turn the fortunes around and maybe the new manager comes in and even if it's just a caretaker, someone internal who's already on the coaching staff, <laughs> kind of like uh, we did, you know, maybe that'll be for the better and, and maybe Schalke will, will, will turn it around. And uh, as a fan of the, the Bundesliga overall, I would not want to see a club like Schalke go down, but they really do have it up against them and they've got a mountain to climb. So it's tough to say for now. And I'll definitely be keeping my eyes peeled on the news to see what the developments are like for that managerial vacancy. It's a team that hasn't seen time in the second division ever since the 90s where they spent three seasons in a row after getting relegated directly from 18th. Uh, from 88 to 91, they were down in the second division, and then they've been up every season since. So it would be very weird not seeing Schalke in the top flight, but I don't necessarily think that you could say it's undeserving, especially in terms of how terrible and awful their form has been in the last couple of years. But that's where we are going to end this episode. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to like, rate, share, subscribe, and download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. And until next time, we will see you later. Hopefully we have more silverware or a win underneath our belt and we get to start ourselves a new win streak. We will see you later. Auf Wiedersehen.